chug, 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 puff, puff, puff. Ding dong, ding dong. The little train rumbled over the tracks. She was a happy little train. I'm Matt Hammersley, and I'm Melissa Hammersley, and we co-founded uh, Novel Effect in 2015. Matt and Melissa are husband and wife, and they share almost everything now. But when they were kids, the one thing they didn't share was a love for reading. Just anything I could get my hands on, I would read like cereal boxes. I would sit up at night by my my nightlight in my bedroom, like huddled over in the corner on the floor reading. Um, So for me, it was definitely um, something that I had it has just been a part of my life, my entire life. I am going to have to say I was the opposite. <laughs> Matt, he was just always, well, into other things. Yeah, I am a math and science geek. Uh, that's what I did. Uh, like, I got my degree in chemical engineering. I did cryptography for the DOD. Uh, I and then went to law school and became a patent attorney. Um, So, you know, I'm a math guy, I'm a science guy, I was always getting into chemistry sets and, you know, occasionally catching things on fire. Uh, I'd say more more often than my parents would have appreciated. (laughs) They created an app called Novel Effect and tapped into their younger selves. It's got all the love that a young Melissa had for reading and all the crazy tech bells and whistles that one would imagine a kid like Matt would have needed to stay interested. So what our product does is it uses voice recognition to synchronize music, sound effects, characters' voices as a parent or a teacher reads aloud a book to a kid. The teacher, parent, or child opens the Novel Effect app and selects one of the titles in the Novel Effect library then grabs that same book off their bookshelf and starts reading. As they read, Novel Effect adds in music and sound effects. You'll hear some of them in this episode. And, you know, conceptually, you can think about it as a conductor, right, for an orchestra. conductor is feeling, you know, understands where everything is. He's got a plan of action, but he's responding in real time to his different players and what's happening and setting direction. Um, So, you know, as much smarts as we can put into it uh, to make the the best composer possible. But, (laughs) you know, we are using technology to kind of uh, act like a human in this circumstance. From the Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation, this is Stroke of Genius. Matt and Melissa have their own kids now. Well, that's what they say, right? To design the best product, you need to be one of the power users, and uh, that definitely is the case for us. The story of how Novel Effect came to be starts with Matt and Melissa living in Austin, Texas. They loved living there. Matt was working as a patent attorney, writing and filing patents for other people's ideas. Melissa was in the business of ideas too. She spent her days drawing patent designs. Both of these jobs would really come in handy for their company down the line. 
Melissa was also about six months pregnant. She and Matt were expecting their first child together, a baby girl, Eleanor. But then something happened that changed everything during their baby shower. We had asked um, for books as gifts because we knew that was one of the best things we could do for our daughter. And one of my best friends, Toby from college, she had brought us On the Night You Were Born by Nancy Tillman. And uh, she was making little trumpet sounds and the sounds of the wind blowing. I remember specifically too when uh in that part of the book, too, it's like, it says, I think, whispers the sound of your wonderful name. Uh, and, you know, she was just, Eleanor, Eleanor, like that. It was, it was magical. And in the middle of reading, Matt cut her off and was like, there should be an app that does this. And we all were like, yeah, that would be really cool. We're going to keep celebrating. And he basically couldn't stop thinking about it. I was up that night doing patent searches. You know, anytime I have an idea, I do a patent search, but I uh, couldn't find anything even remotely close. Matt and Melissa's idea, it turned out, was a pretty unique one. Or at least no one had done anything about this idea if they'd also had it. But then what? What do you do with an idea? This is the title of a really great children's book. It's one of the titles featured on Novel Effect, and it's also one of Matt and Melissa's personal favorites. Uh, what do you do with an idea, and how do you uh, nurture it and get it to grow? Having an idea, that was the easy part. Taking that idea and making it real, something that was out in the world for others to experience, well, that was the difficult part. So I think first off, you know, it was a lot of thinking and Melissa and I were up almost every night, uh, you know, talking about what all the possibilities of our, you know, baseline idea could do. Trying to analyze all of the different angles. What kind of business model can we create from this? Is it protectable? Is it something that is differentiated? How fast will other people get there? Would people use it? <laughs> Would people use it is a, a very important point. Um, so that first week, uh, I'd say after the initial idea, you know, we were just talking about it and thinking uh, of all the different possibilities that could come. This idea revealed so many possibilities, kind of forcing Matt and Melissa to think about what they really wanted for their future. Uh, we were working a lot and while we enjoyed what we were doing, it didn't feel uh, connected to the family that we were about to um, have together and it didn't feel like we were making the kind of impact on uh, people in the world that we really wanted to be. Um, and this seemed, this offered us an opportunity to be able to do that. Matt quit his job and tried his hand at something new, something he'd never done before. He started writing what would end up being the most important patent of his life so far. It was very surreal, I guess is the best way I can put it. Um, you know, I hadn't ever written a patent for myself. 
Um, it took me longer than I expected it to. Matt had made a career out of writing patents for other people and their ideas. But when it came to writing his own patent, he found that it was both more difficult and riveting to work on protecting his own idea. First, he realized he still had some things to work out about this idea before he could protect it. You know, I'm trying to pull from the depths of my brain and source the information simultaneously while writing the patent, uh, which was a kind of interesting experience to try. But, you know, talk about, like, not worried about staying up late at night writing claims uh, because it's it's for you. <laughs> uh, so that part was was probably the most fun about the experience was just knowing that like I'm actually going to see the fruits of this labor. I look at patents as very much a, kind of an, an open thing. It's not you know one thing. Uh, it's a lot of different kind of claim sets put together in different Venn diagrammy circles. Uh, to create, you know, a right uh, strategy of coverage, uh, given the prior art that is out there. So you probably don't want to see one of Matt's Venn diagrams. But let's just say he filed a bunch of patents. And then, once he had filed, he started to go out and look for some funding from small investors. Having a patent and filing for patents, you know, gives you... Uh, a level of protection that enables you to more freely talk about and explore cooperation with people, where you don't have to be uh, so secretive necessarily because you've already protected yourself. And then from a fundraising perspective, I think this is hugely important. Matt and Melissa were able to get some early funding, but it wasn't nearly enough for their idea. So they had to fund their idea, well, on their own. And um, in order for us to be able to bootstrap the company, we actually sold our house and used the um, funds from that sale to kind of get us, get us going. At the same time that Matt and Melissa had been kicking around names for their new baby, they'd also been kicking around names for their idea. Just before they sold their house, and the day before their daughter Eleanor was born, they settled on Novel Effect and used the name for their very first version of the app. The little train was carrying all these wonderful things to the good little boys and girls on the other side of the mountain. She puffed along merrily. In less than three months after having their initial idea, Matt and Melissa had packed up everything and moved halfway across the country to Seattle with brand new Eleanor and a proof of concept in tow. They didn't choose Seattle primarily because it was in the backyard of so many tech giants. They chose it because, well, that's where most of their family lives. One of our co-founders uh, is actually our sister-in-law, Melody Furs, and she is a PhD student who has been working with children with visual impairments for the last 10 years. Melody was one of their first hires. Her skill set was perfect for the main mission of Novel Effect. So it's all about making story time magical, and it's all about bringing us together as people. 
not trying to distract away from each other with technology, but rather really create this magical experience around reading and story time uh, that makes every parent and teacher like a superhero. So with this mission in mind, they started toiling away. They set out to make their idea, which was just a proof of concept at this point, a reality. And we built a whole kind of software studio to make the content happen um, and you know, tell it when it wants it to play certain music or make a certain sound effect or play this voiceover line. As they started building, they had to decide which book to start with, their guinea pig book. Uh, the very first book that we did was The Little Engine That Could, and uh, we <laughs> it did intentionally choose that one. The Little Engine That Could was just, um, you know, what a great book to start with for building a startup, right? <laughs> uh, where it's very, you know, thematically appropriate to the stage of, of our existence. <laughs> We started with classic books. Harold and the Purple Crown was... Where was the Wild Things Are, wild especially things. early on when nobody was reading or requesting. It was books that spoke to us. We, you know, we often were using books that our parents had read to us when we were children as we demoed it. We had about seven books on our first, like, live in the App Store build, uh, which is not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. Even though... They had built the thing, the very thing they set out to build. They weren't totally thrilled with it. I think back on, you know, the very first version of the app uh, that we released. And, you know, I cringe when I see uh, images of it and <laughs> remember how it worked compared to um, where our product and um, brand are today. This made Melissa recall another children's book where a regular girl is trying to build her dog the perfect sidecar for her scooter. You've already heard some of Novel Effects audio from this title and others during the episode. Yeah, and I love The Most Magnificent Thing. We love that book and look to it often. In The Most Magnificent Thing, this regular girl goes through so many versions just to get to one that works. And it's not perfect. The book reminds everyone, your first prototype it doesn't have to be perfect at first. It just has to actually work. And I think that my background is in design and one of the, the important points that I found early on as we were working to release something to the public was the knowledge that like it's not going to be perfect and it doesn't have to look great. And you know, if you're not embarrassed by the first thing that you released, then you probably spent too much time working on it and not enough time releasing it. So with Melissa's good design advice in mind, they launched the first public version of the Novel Effect app. The app got some really nice reviews, and they felt hopeful. But they already knew it needed upgrades. Matt and Melissa will tell you, it's not like things stop right after you release your first product to the public. No, the train is just getting going. But Matt prefers to liken this part to a different type of transportation. Because uh, everything about startup life and startup world, it's a roller coaster. Uh, you know, the highs are high, the lows are really low. Aside from knowing that they had to keep building, once the idea went public, 
Matt and Melissa faced some adversity that they didn't really expect. Not everyone liked their idea. Then, all of a sudden, she stopped with a jerk. She simply could not go another inch. She tried and she tried. But her wheels would not turn. If you build experiences for people to talk to machines, you're by very nature taking away from them talking to each other. Melissa understood. She hadn't been one of those kids who needed help making story time magical. But after meeting and marrying Matt, she knew there were kids out there who needed a little extra magic in order to be coaxed into reading. We've um, heard that from many people. Oh, well, I read books to my kids just fine. And, and we say, great, good for you. Your children are incredibly lucky, uh, but not every child's life is like that. And so, and not every parent likes to read. Not every parent uh, reads well. Um, and, and our goal is to, uh, you know, make reading more accessible for, for families um, and children who, you know, maybe the parents are learning to speak English and our system helps. Reading children's books helps them uh, improve their English speaking skills. Um, children, we know um, that we've seen children with uh, visual impairments, children with autism have... Um, increased uh, literacy experiences and, and make connections with people who are reading to them. We want you to talk to each other. We don't want you to talk to a device. So even after having to defend it, Matt and Melissa still loved their idea. But there seem to be new challenges all the time. You know, I think there has been three definitive points throughout our, kind of, since we went for it, where we were probably, you know, hours away from from throwing it all down, you know, put, throwing in the towel and, and quitting. The one that sticks out the most in my mind, and, and I bet it does for you too, Melissa, is, um, you know, we were living in Olympia, Washington. Uh, our daughter was about, oh, what was she, about a year and a half, a year, a year old? A year. Uh, so we had been doing it for about 12 months. Um, you know, cash was starting to get tight. And, uh, you know, we weren't able to build fast enough. Uh, and that was our biggest concern. Like we were running out of capital, running out of cash, and uh, things just weren't happening fast enough and we weren't getting the traction that we needed fast enough from, you know, other investors and things like that coming into it. Um, and we were outside discussing, you know, what we wanted to do. Um, you know, we both committed to ourselves that we weren't ready to give up uh, and then uh, probably about an hour later, Shark Tank called <laughs> and asked if we wanted to come on the show. <laughs> Here comes a shiny new engine. Let's ask him to help us. Please, shiny new engine, won't you please pull our train over the mountain? Matt and Melissa described the day of the Shark Tank taping as nothing short of surreal. It was uh, definitely like this train that you're on that's just not slowing down or stopping and you're on for the ride and you better just go with it. And every steps. step of the way they tell you, you know, making it this far doesn't mean that you're making it at all. So Matt and Melissa made their pitch. You can 
do the same thing that you've always done, which is pick up the print book and read to your child, but the experience will be like augmented in a way that makes it more exciting or interesting or helps hold your child's attention. And then they waited for the sharks to tear it apart. But the sharks didn't tear it apart. Not at all. Matt and Melissa did make it. And they ended up with a deal. We did uh, a deal on the air with Lori Griner for $500,000. But we never ended up uh, consummating or closing that deal at the end of the day. Matt and Melissa didn't end up going with the Shark Tank deal because within the time span of a year... They had hailed down several different trains asking for help to get their little company going. Shark Tank was just one of the trains that helped them out. And even though they didn't take that help, it was the beginning of them really starting to believe in their idea again. Um, So we had actually uh, got accepted to what's called the Alexa Accelerator, uh, and that is with Amazon and Techstars. And so it is a four-month intensive program where you work together with the folks at Techstars and with Amazon and your team uh, to really accelerate the pace of your business. Uh, And so that program started um, about a month after we filmed on Shark Tank. Uh, And then the program ended uh, and we aired on Shark Tank two weeks later. Here's another engine coming, a little blue engine. And maybe she will help us. Then she said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And she hitched herself to the little train. You know, after that point in time that, that, you know, turned it around. And slowly, 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 they started off. We've got uh, 12 full-time team members right now. Um, We do have an office. It is on the water in Seattle. Um, well, on, on the on the lake. Like, uh, so we do, for example, in our company, uh, daily stand-ups where we log in at 10.30 every day, uh, no matter where you are. And we've had a lot of like uh, daily stand-ups that involve crying uh, from- <laughs> Like happy tears. Happy tears of, you know, this type of, of impact that we're able to have. Uh, but the other one that makes you know all of our all of our days you know happier <laughs> at the office is we get so many that's like thank you my child now loves to read. Novel Effects first app has been so well received that they've moved on to other products, products for age groups that slowly stop choosing books and instead turn to video games or TV. Uh, you know, ever since I can remember and everything that I've ever known is, is kids have always tried to talk to TV and cartoons, uh, but they never talked back to them in any way. So Novel Effect has just flipped the script and made an interactive video app where a child can not only interact with the characters through reading, but also control the story as it moves along. So um, the child is able to read aloud and feel confident that they have done a good job because the system responds as they read. And um, they see that immediate reaction and and they are able to uh, get a confidence boost. It's like a 
a good dopamine hit <laughs> that they've done the right thing and continue to do it and continue to try and read the next line and go through the, the story and be a part of it and be a part of how it ends. We've been able to um, take our technology and, and basically hide the vegetables uh, like you would at the dinner table. Now with a team of 12, an office on the water, and a lot of exciting things that they're working on, I asked Matt and Melissa if their roles had changed. Was Matt still up at night writing patents? Matt sells. Uh, he works on business development, and um, his vision is the thing that kind of directs me and guides the rest of the team. Um, I'm always so proud of you, Melissa, because <laughs> you wear so many different hats and you do so many different things across so many different areas. It's uh, if we actually had to put titles, you know, of all of your responsibilities next to it, you're, it would it would eat up a business card <laughs> <laughs> uh, of so many different things. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we set out what we meant to do, which is, you know, help kids love reading and bring people together. Uh, and it's really great to be able to pass that on to, to my own daughter and then to other children as well to make it more accessible for them. I, I, wouldn't, I would do it all over again um, every day. Like this, is, this has been the most uh, amazing journey of my life. And... Uh, Besides marrying me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's all part of that same journey, perhaps. And... The little blue engine smiled and seemed to say as she puffed steadily down the mountain, I thought I could, 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 I thought I If you were to pitch something to Shark Tank, what would it be? Tell us on Twitter at IPO Foundation. This episode is brought to you by Scully Scott Murphy Impressor, a boutique full-service IP law firm with more than 47 years of experience in patent prosecution, litigation, and counseling. Scully Scott Murphy Impressor's strategic business practices allows them to achieve a return on investment based on each client's unique business objectives and IP strategy. Maximize the value of your intellectual property assets with Scully Scott Murphy Impressor. To learn more, visit www.ssmp.com. Stroke of Genius Season 3 is produced by Goat Rodeo, a DC-based production company that empowers storytellers. Keep an ear out for us.